Good afternoon, America, and welcome to a Thursday afternoon edition of The Sea Report. I'm your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Cossidis, coming to you live a little bit earlier today. We've got a we've got a busy day ahead of us. I mean, it's been a pretty busy day already today, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a blessed day, if I'm being honest with you all, but um, I must say, ladies and gentlemen, we got a lot coming up ahead of us. What do we got going on? We've got the January 6th Unselect Committee, ladies and gentlemen, holding another hearing today. What are we on? Episode number eight of the Unselect Committee into uh, investigation into the false flag riot. Capital. January 6th. So, yeah, you will, we, uh, yes, that's happening at 7 p.m. sharp, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, we'll be broadcasting the unselect committee for you all to, uh, uh, you know, peruse, review. Uh, it really, ladies and gentlemen, it should be, uh, it should be the same kind of shim sham flim flam that we've come to expect. Uh, but really wanted to get um, a wrap on Victoria Newland. You know, before we get into the January 6th, I had so much information that uh, I can share about Victoria Newland. We just scratched the surface of her involvement in, uh, in Africa and in Nigeria and Somalia specifically. Uh, but what we're seeing here, ladies and gentlemen, obviously, obviously, is going to be just a little bit of a reprise on information that some of you all may or may not be aware of. But again, ladies and gentlemen, you know, these, uh, these, um, uh, the episodes like this, you know, are created with a very specific intention. In this case, it would be a direct warning to the people of Nigeria. Territorial integrity, territorial integrity of another country. Of another country. This is not a this is not Russia, a Ukraine, Russia war. Ukraine. This is a war. This Russian, is a Russian war, war against, against Ukraine. Ukraine. War. This is war. a this Russian, is Russian war, war against, against Ukraine. Ukraine. That's why the United States and our allies and our partners, partners across the world, across the world have, been have been supporting Ukraine in its effort to defend itself. Another billion dollars of weapons that we've just provided. Because imagine if this were Nigeria and a big... That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Imagine if this were Nigeria. So big old warning there to the Nigerian people, ladies and gentlemen. And to that operative or to that caring mother who uh, was interviewing Victoria Newland in Nigeria, I would say unto you, my dear friend... Stay away and uh, don't succumb to the glamour, the wealth. I mean, what 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 is what is considered glamorous in Nigeria? Do you think for people like the person that was interviewing 
Victoria Newland, right? She's like, they got us a new car, uh-huh, right? And that, that's, is that what the price was? Get my family a new car and I will do whatever you want. I will say whatever you want. I will interview whoever you want. Okay, guys, we don't have a whole lot of time here today, this afternoon, but it is good to be with you all. Thanks for joining us. If you're joining us over at Rumble, if you're joining us over at the Foxhole.app, if you're joining us over at Cloudhub or Twitch, hope you all are having a wonderful afternoon. We're just going to talk Newland. This is, this is, again, this is Love Letter Part 2 to Nigeria and to uh, the continent of Africa. Stay away from these war criminals. Don't let them in your country. Don't let them past your borders, ladies and gentlemen. So where we left off last night, oh, and by the way, I do absolutely need to apologize. Uh, if you're over at pill.net or the foxhole.app, yesterday's episode of the Sea Report is gonna be like, I don't know. You know, back in the day, whenever you were a kid and you had your VHS recorder, right? And uh, your your VHS tape player, your VCR. Who, who remembers what a VCR is here? All right. I never thought I'd be saying it, but I'm aging myself here, believe it or not. There's a whole couple of generations that have never seen a VCR in their life, but you know, and you you went to the mo you went to the video store, right? You like went to Blockbuster or something like that, and you rented a video, and then you accidentally taped over it. Like you're watching a movie, you get halfway through it, and then bam, it turns into something completely different, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no telling what it is you recorded over that video with, but that's basically what happened to yesterday's episode of the Sea Report, and I kept thinking to myself. Because we did a uh, we did a this is news episode last night, myself and the bartender over at the Speak and Easy. I kept thinking to myself, why is my channel live on the Foxhole.app at this hour? You know, why is it live on Pill.net? It shouldn't be. Well, I accidentally I accidentally activated the platforms for recording, and so when that happens, ladies and gentlemen. You end up recording over your previous episode if you don't schedule a new one. I know, it's technical, but either way, my apologies if you did not get to catch the entirety of yesterday's episode. You got to catch the entirety of uh, the Speak Uneasy's uh, This Is News. Oh, it was a fun episode last night. We had a good time. Um, but uh, you can still catch yesterday's Love Letter to Nigeria uh, the warning against Victoria Newland. Uh, you can still catch that over, like at Rumble, Twitter, a Twitter, Twitch, maybe Clout Hub. Yeah, we're pretty sure Clout Hub as well. Pretty sure Clout Hub as well. Uh, good afternoon, Raven two thousand. Good to see you this afternoon. Good afternoon, Pilled by the Rabbit. Howdy, howdy, and hello. I promise I will be catching up with my Pilled.net. Uh, uh, um, email, personal mail soon. So, uh, be look, be on the lookout for those of you who have been, uh, writing me, uh, messages and stuff like that. I'll get back to that very soon. Okay. So, looks like we got a sub pack vet in the house as well. What's going on sub pack vet? We're wrapping up Victoria Newland as much as we can in the next, uh, 50 minutes or so. 
So let's get right into Newland, ladies and gentlemen. We're doing an hour C report this afternoon before we get into this evening's episode to wrap up Victoria Newland. I apologize there will not be any Trump statements at the head of this episode today, but we're going to get straight into Victoria Newland. You, know, you guys remember this image I showed you all yesterday, right? This power couple. This power couple from the United States of America, uh, we're talking about Victoria Nuland, undersecretary to the Secretary of State, typically in that role, and also former Ukraine ambassador Jeffrey Pyatt. Now, as you might recall at the conclusion of yesterday's episode, we were, uh, I was showing you guys the video about Victoria Nuland being questioned about the Nazis in Ukraine about the ultra-nationalists. Think about that. Ultra-nationalists. What are ultra-nationalists? They're typically seen as, and they don't have to be white, but that's their preferred, uh, that's their preferred uh, tone, skin tone, apparently, according to Democrats and progressives. But ultra-nationalists, at least from the Ukraine, tend to be white supremacists. They tend to be racist. They tend to be xenophobe. <laughs> they tend to be everything that they claim Donald Trump is, ladies and gentlemen. But rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, when we're talking about the ultra-nationalists, ultra-nationalists, right? Is that the reason why they stuck the tag ultra on us? So this way it could be like those ultra-Trump-supporting, ultra-nationalist, racist, white supremacist, bigoted, uh, you know, um, uh, individuals. Is that why they gave us ultra? I don't know, right? What's up with that con, ladies and gentlemen? I have to ask, but... Yeah, ultra-nationalists in Ukraine. That's what they were asking her about. Now, I'm going to replay just a portion of last night's um, questioning of Newland. But this time, when you listen to it, uh, I want you all to think about the way that individuals like Victoria Newland operate, okay? Think about their position. Think about uh, who, who and what she is to the deep state, the globalist network, and uh, the job that she performs in that role. You know, I mean, we're talking about someone who is on the ground operating, I should say executing an, uh, a regime change operation for the globalists. Very powerful, you know. I mean, who's her daddy is what I really want to know, right? Because this is usually, the globalists usually run in incest and nepotism. Who is her daddy? You know, I haven't dug that deep into the ditch that is Victoria Newland, But let's take a look. And take a look at how she answers the questions. Again, you might remember. Now, at this point in the conversation, uh, Representative Rohrabacher uh, is confirming he already caught her in a trap, right? He caught her in a trap, and uh, she's going on about, oh, yes, every color of the rainbow is being represented in Ukraine. Every spectrum of the body politic and the mothers and the babies and the grandmas and the hippies are all coming together in Ukraine. And this guy's like, yeah, well, you know, they did have a duly elected leader that uh, the people of Ukraine suddenly got violent over all of these grandmas, mothers, babies, and hippies suddenly got violent in 2014 in Maidan when the duly elected president Yanukovych decided that he would rather 
go along with Russia on an economic agreement than go along with the European Union on an economic agreement and coincidentally, the grandmothers, the babies, the hippies, they all raised their arms in defiance and had a violent demonstration. The grandmothers, the babies, ladies and gentlemen, and the hippies. So uh, let's uh, let's wrap this. Uh, this is just because I want you guys to watch how she responds. Look at the masterful deception. Look at the double speak. Look at uh, the way that she dodges the question and turns it around and then paints a beautiful picture out of it. Just look at it. Look at her. Right. Well, we did have an election. We did have a legitimate election before, and uh, the elected uh, president was uh, removed after we had uh, major street violence in reaction to his decision of going with a uh, economic agreement with Russia rather than the EU about that street the violence that happened that led to this Mr. Yanukovych's removal. Um, there were pictures that people of people running around with these uh, that were we were told were neo Nazis. Is there were there neo Nazis in those uh, efforts, street violence that uh, uh, led to Mr. Yanukovych's removal? Uh, first of all, the vast majority of those who participated on the Maidan were peaceful protesters. Uh, if you had a chance to see the pictures, some many of us visited, including many members here. Mm. There were mothers and grandmothers and yeah. veterans. Let me and note every, that I have a, however, I saw, uh, however, before you go on, I saw those pictures as well. I also saw a lot of pictures of people throwing firebombs at groups of policemen who were huddled in the over in a corner where people are shooting into the ranks of police. So, yes, there were mothers with flowers, but there were also very dangerous street fighters who were engaged in those demonstrations. The question is, were there neo-Nazi groups involved in that? Um, there were, as I said, almost every color of Ukraine was represented, including some, the ugly, including the some ugly colors. The answer is yes, then. But yes. I, if I could say that uh, with regard to the violence, all of those incidents are subject to investigation, notably including mm. the deadly sniper incident uh, in February. And there is good evidence to believe uh, that there were outside agitators involved in that. Uh, was there any in indication that there were... Uh, guns being involved with the uh, uh, anti-government demonstrators at that time? There is no question that as the protests became more and more virulent and as the response of Yanukovych's police became right. more and more right. brutal, uh, the tensions and the right. uh, potential for use of weapons escalated on both sides, on both which sides. was why that's, we were that's correct. so intent now, on a now, political one last settlement question before in February. I, my time is totally up, and that is, were there uh, the neo-Nazi groups that we're talking about here, which, again, were not dominating this. There were very many very good people, like you say, out demonstrating against this deal uh, with Russia. They wanted to go with more of a European country than a Rus pro-Russian country. But... Uh, 
so we're basically at the end of this, right, guys? Now, you notice how this is what they do. This is what they do, ladies and gentlemen. They will, to an extent, acknowledge the truth. To an extent, they will acknowledge the truth of the point that the questioner is making. But they will also incorporate their counterpoint, the counter-narrative. As she said here, yes, there was violence. But as the police's response, Yanukovych's police response, became more severe, so too did the risk of weapons and snipers and Molotov cocktails increase amongst those who were there to protest. And then this guy f starts to flip the story. He's like, you're right. And we're not trying to uh, make this a trial of the white supremacist neo-Nazi forces in Ukraine. And indeed, all political spectrums were represented. And as you said, but she's like, no, this was the summer of love in Maidan in 2014. They were all peaceful protesters. But let's not forget there were outside agitators. So Victoria Newland can stay honest and truthful and can mean what she says because it's doublespeak, right? It's doublespeak and it's skirting around the issue. You know, it's all of that. It's like every single dishonest way of communicating with someone is being employed by individuals like Victoria Newland, and basically they flip the script, etc. And then uh, they, they, I mean, it's mental prowess, ladies and gentlemen, takes them off guard every time. But you see how they respond, right? You see how they respond. So it's very, very interesting. Hey, Tam Growl, what's going on? Good to see you in the audience today. We're just wrapping up Newland from last night. Uh, so uh, no, don't you worry, darling. We're not running late here. I'm going to try and get as much done as I can in the next hour. Hey, Relanon, what's up? Thanks for the 117 gold pills. What's going on, Grouch? Grouch79 is in the house. Good to see you, sir. Glad you're joining us today. Raven2000 says... I remember hearing she worked at the State Department and gave CNN and media info. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot about Victoria Newland in this episode. So get ready, Nigeria, because uh, there's a lot coming down the line. Ladies and gentlemen, and what is that? Is that a nifty little cookie train you got there, Pilled by the Rabbit? That looks awesome. Cooper Jr. is here as well. Cooper Jr. says their open defense of Nazis is enough to make someone want to spit in their faces. You know, Cooper, I feel much the same way. I won't spit in their face, though, because then they'll get me for assault. But boy, let me tell you what, sir. I cannot even tell you exactly how frustrating it is that everyone in America and their grandmother, six feet under, is like, I stand with Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you guys thinking about? So, yeah. Uh, Tam Girl asks, so Victoria Newland is out for a summer of love in Nigeria. Good question, Tam Girl. And I would have to say uh, there will be a summer of love in Nigeria if they don't get their regime changed. That's what they're after in Nigeria right now. They just had elections like that is what they're after.
They are after regime change. So, Miss, Miss Tam Growl, if they don't get their regime change, there will be a summer of love in Nigeria. I guarantee it, right? So, again, a warning to the people of Nigeria. Stay away from this woman. Victoria Newland, herald of the summers of love, right? She's a downright damn dirty hippie, that one is, right? <laughs> uh, and also the herald of regime change. Okay, so you don't want to mess with this. If this woman comes knocking on your door, you're you actually, if this woman is paying a visit to your country, you probably, my friends, are already half in the grave. Okay? All right, but let's, this is, we're reprising some of Victoria Newland's finer work. Okay, we're going to examine what she was doing in Ukraine, or at least the people that she was working with, because, you know, keep saying, oh, she works with the Nazis, she works with the neo-Nazis, she works with the Banderaites, right? Those who are supporters of Stephen Bandera and who view him as a national hero, even though he was a genuine Nazi collaborator. He was basically Ukrainian Nazi, right, uh, who's not even from the area, and he was responsible for leading um, uh, uh, the fight against the Jews, uh, the Slavs, uh, anyone that was not um, in the favor of the uh, Nazis in the 1940s. Now, people are like, oh, wait, these people have been around that long, the 1940s. Well, here's something else that we will examine as we talk about Victoria Newland today and the Nazis in Ukraine is exactly how how embedded are the Nazis in Ukraine? I mean, we're in 2022, eight years ago in 2014, they have this uh, this this Maidan coup, an orange colored revolution. Uh, they overthrow Yanukovych. They get in Yatsen Yuk, which is the individual Victoria Newland wanted, let's not forget, with the assist from all of the ultranationalist, white supremacist, neo-Nazi and Nazi forces in Ukraine, the ultranationalists, right, the ultra, ultra, ultra nationalists. You see the con here, right? If you take ultra... If, if, if MAGA takes ultra, you can be easily labeled a white supremacist ultra-nationalist, because that's what we're looking at in Ukraine, okay? Now, these ultra-nationalists were the ones who were causing the violence, the ones that were instigating and provocatoring the situation. It was on Christmas, guys. We watched the Maidan Revolution documentary here at Mr. CTV. If you guys want to watch it, I would suggest you go to page 8 or 9 or 10 of our Rumble page and you will find the documentary there or just search it yourself. You know, we covered the Maidan revolution here. We covered, um, we covered the coup. We covered uh, a lot of this information, a lot of the backstory and the history of Kiev and Ukraine. We have covered it here at Mr. CTV. So some of you guys probably know what I'm talking about. If you don't, I recommend you go back and watch those documentaries. Uh, but take today's episode for what it's worth. We got Victoria Newland, who basically quarterbacked with Jeffrey Pyatt a lot of the on-the-ground operations, you know, the signing of the documents, the holding of the meetings, the talking to of the uh, international ambassadors and representatives of the country. These are the folks 
who are on the ground doing it? Did they orchestrate it? Did they organize it? Did they map it out? Did they blueprint it? Did they write up the plan? I don't know. Maybe not. But under under the Obama administration, this is the work that they were doing. They were quarterbacking this regime change to get Yanukovych out because everybody knows that America has a problem with Russia, okay? And Yanukovych was a Russia-supportive president for the country of Ukraine at that time. That's what that uh, representative Rohrabacher was talking about when he was questioning Victoria Newland. Now, this is as much as a refresher on what happened in Ukraine during the Maidan coup and with Victoria Nuland and Jeffrey Pyatt as it is a revealer to maybe those who did not catch this the first time around. But just like all phone calls are recorded and some of those phone calls are perfect, you know, like, you know, uh, President Trump's phone call was perfect with Zelensky, right? Like President Trump's phone call was perfect and lawful between he and Secretary of Snakes Brad Raffensperger in Georgia. But there was another perfect phone call that got leaked, ladies and gentlemen, and this phone call occurred in what, 2000, uh, somewhere in 2014, in the middle of this coup, in Ukraine, and the phone call was between Jeffrey Pyatt and Victoria Newland, and they are busted wide open as an ambassador to a country from the United States of America, the empire, the evil empire of America, and the undersecretary to the Secretary of State, ladies and gentlemen, talking about the next steps in regime change for Ukraine. Busted, okay? And that's where we'll open halfway through the episode this afternoon into that very phone call. If it sounds familiar, guys, it's because on our episode called The Globalists Bring Out Their Rats, where we introduced our audience to Victoria Newland, we played this phone call, okay? And this is gonna be part of the examination. What have I said since then? Who is Victoria Newland? naming as the individuals to take over Ukraine, okay, as this regime change is what regime change was occurring, as they were getting Yanukovych kicked out of office, okay? Yatsenyuk, Tianibok, and Klitschko. And I've told you guys that these people were ultra-nationalist, neo-Nazi extremists, and well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bring you that sauce today. Let's take a listen to this phone call between Victoria Newland and Jeffrey Pyatt, former ambassador to Ukraine for the United States of America. And let's see what they have to say about getting uh, Yatsen, uh, getting Yatsenyuk in, Yanukovych out, and uh, also what they think about the European Union. It's 3 p.m., ladies and gentlemen, so uh, viewer beware. There might be some language in this here clip. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. 
But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think what in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I'm I, kinda... I, I, just, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. Okay, very important what has been said. There's a lot of names going around here and a lot of things are kind of like, what? You know, and don't worry, Tam Growl, I won't make you guys take a quiz on this subject, but I might make a crossword puzzle out of it. Uh, but um, so Victoria Newland and Pyatt are talking. Um, Pyatt says the name Klitschko. Okay, Klitschko. Klitschko is a problem because they made him, what, deputy, prime minister, or something like that, right? Victoria Newland is saying Yatsenyuk, Yats, Yats is the guy, Yatsenyuk is the one that they want in as the president, and the other problem is going to be Tianibuk. Well, who the heck is Tianibuk, right? So Klitschko, Tianibuk, and Yatsenyuk. They sound like the Three Stooges of Victoria Newland in Ukraine, and they will all play a part in tonight or to this, this afternoon's episode. Okay, so just keep that in mind. And Victoria Newland just said this to Jeffrey Pyatt. Jeffrey Pyatt obviously has the plan. Victoria Newland is helping him, uh, kind of like war game through it and kind of iron out. Some of the creases is what it sounds like. Uh, but um, they're talking about the preferred politicians that they want to install into Ukraine over Yanukovych. Okay? Very important. And Victoria Newland just said, Yatsenyuk is the guy that we need. Tianibok... And Klitschko need to be his advisors, and he needs, Yatsenyuk needs to be talking to Klitschko and Tianibuk at least four times a week. That's very important, ladies and gentlemen, when you consider the histories of Tianibuk and Klitschko as ultranationalist extremists in Ukraine. And they all have a part in the political party, the parliament of Ukraine, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who could be saying, oh, there's Nazis in Ukraine, but they're not the Ukrainian government. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Nazism, Banderitism, white nationalism, and white supremacy is a very, very common theme in Ukraine. And is very well represented when you're talking about 
all of the colors of Ukraine uniting, ladies and gentlemen, white nationalists are amazingly well represented in the government of Ukraine. And that's just a fact. Now, we'll get to the sauce. Let's check this out. I, I, I just think Kleech going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, it, I, think that's, you know? I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him as the next step? My understanding from that call, but you tell me, was that the big three were going into their own meeting and that Yats was going to offer in that context a, a three-way, you know, three-plus-one conversation or three-plus-two with you. Is that not how you understood it? No, I think, I mean, that's what he proposed. But I think just knowing the dynamic that's been with them where um, Klitschko has been the top dog, he's going to take a while to show up for whatever meeting they've got. And he's probably talking to his guys at this point. So I think you reaching out directly to him helps with the personality management among the three. And it, and it gives you also a chance to move fast on all this stuff and put us behind it, behind it before they all sit down and he, um, he explains why he doesn't like it. Okay, good. I'm happy. Why don't you reach out to him and see if he wants to talk before or after? Okay, will do. Thanks. Okay, I've now written, oh, one more wrinkle for you, Jeff. Yeah. I can't remember if I told you this or if I only told Washington this, that when I talked to Jeff Feltman this morning, he had a new name for the UN guy, Robert Seri. Did I write you that this morning? Yeah, I saw that. He's now gotten both Sari and Ban Ki-moon to agree that Sari could come in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it and, you know, fuck the EU. No, exactly. And I think we've got to do something to make it stick together because you can be pretty sure that if it does, if it does start to gain altitude, the Russians will be working behind the scenes to try to torpedo it. And again, the fact that this is out there right now I'm still trying to figure out in my mind why Yanukovych that. But in the meantime, there's a party of regions faction meeting going on right now, and I'm sure there's a lively argument going on in that group at this point. But uh, anyway, we could uh, we could land Jelly side up on this one if we move fast. So let me work on let me work on Klitschko, and if you can just keep, I, I think we want to try to get somebody with an international personality to. Um, come out here and help to midwife this thing. And then the other the other issue is some kind of outreach to Yanukovych, but we probably regroup on that tomorrow as we see how things start to fall into place. So on that piece, Jeff, uh, when I wrote the note, uh, Sullivan's come back to me uh, VFR saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deets to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. Okay, great. Right. Thanks. All right, very interesting. Oh, and then what? We got mention of Biden at the end of that conversation. We need Biden to give him an attaboy and get this thing to stick together. Then Vice President Biden, who was Obama's uh, it man in Ukraine. And we all know uh, where we all know what kind of wheelings and dealings Biden got him and his family into in Ukraine. Is this not just a coincidence? What do you think? I don't know. Sean Joe, thank you for gifting the cookie. Uh, appreciate that, sir. Cooper Jr. says, amazing how easily these uh, ex- expletives talk about toppling governments. 
And, you know, it's like you guys don't real. I mean, you know that they they know that they're being recorded, but yet they still have absolutely no shame in their game. You know, and then also it just makes me the way Jeffrey Pyatt was like, and, you know, we need to make sure X, Y and Z sticks and it happens. You know, the Russians will be right behind this trying to torpedo everything that we're doing like the Russians are the ones who are trying to stop the New World Order. If the Bible were to say that Russia is the one that is going to bring America to heel, they'd be well within their rights at the moment with uh, Biden in office, because after all, Biden is representative of the globalist New World Order as the head of America. We know he's not running the plan. Obviously, we know Biden is not running the show, but uh, he is... He is the protagonist of their movie, ladies and gentlemen. As sad of a protagonist as he is, he is. Uh, the New World Order is not represented well by, by Biden. Let's just leave it at that. Anyhow, so this was part of their thing, ladies and gentlemen. Victoria Newland and also Jeffrey Pyatt. Allow me to introduce you to Vitaly Klitschko, ladies and gentlemen, one of the individuals mentioned in this uh, stream of, uh, of, uh, of uh, conspiracy, right? Ladies and gentlemen, stream of conspiracy, Vitaly Klitschko, former Soviet ultranationalist, anti-Putin globalist henchman, one of Newland's stooges, ladies and gentlemen. Since I haven't, uh, since I haven't taken you here before, ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk about Klitschko today. Remember the names. What were the names? Klitschko, Klitschko, Yatsenyuk, and Tianibuk. Okay. And this is this here is going to give us our evidence about exactly how Victoria Newland is uh, in with the Nazis and the Banderites of um, Ukraine. Okay, so uh, here's here is one of the three Stooges. This is Klitschko. Uh, Vitaly Klitschko. Let's take a look at this individual, and uh, you, we'll see how um, we'll see how uh, Victoria Newland has uh, him ranked as far as assisting um, the Ukrainian operation of regime change at this time. Now, keep in mind, political leader. He's a former heavyweight boxing champion and um he's a sweetheart of ukraine ladies and gentlemen uh let's look at this article here it says and this is uh where is this coming from chronicles a magazine of american culture from 2014 keep in mind ladies and gentlemen this is from 2014 from chronicles a magazine of american culture now, I told you guys, all of the Nazis seem to have disappeared once this Russian operation started in Ukraine back at the end of February. But prior to that, 
Everyone and their grandmother six feet under knew about the Nazis in Ukraine. Brown Revolution in Ukraine, Vitaly Klitschko, a profile in opportunism. The Brown Revolution leader most known, recognized, and respected by the West is former heavyweight champion Vitaly Klitschko. Unlike his allies Yatsenyuk and Tianybuk, Klitschko's past makes him an unlikely participant in the neo-Nazi-led overthrow of legitimate rule in Ukraine, the Maidan Revolution. Vitaly Dr. Iron Fist Klitschko was born to an exclusively Russian-speaking family in Soviet Central Asia where his father served as an Air Force officer. His father later served at the site of Chernobyl's nuclear disaster and eventually succumbed to cancer as a result. In a German-made documentary, Authorized and promoted by the Klitschko brothers, Vitaly's younger sibling, Vladimir. Notice the Germanized spelling of the name Vladimir. Yep, the Germans use that W. Um, is the second longest reigning world heavyweight champion ever. The siblings talk to their parents and each other only in Russian. In fact, Klitschko came to Ukraine at the age of 14 in 1985 and learned to proficiently speak Ukrainian only in his 30s. According to Klitschko himself, his father, Vladimir, was a hardcore communist. So hardcore that when young Vitaly, then a kickboxing champion, visited Florida during the last years of the Soviet Union, his father doubted his stories about American abundance and fired back with Soviet propaganda. One had to be very devoted to communist dogma to believe those kinds of things during Glasnost and Perestroika. Vitaly Klitschko's life entered the shadows between the collapse of the Soviet Union and the beginning of his professional boxing career in 1996. Officially, in those years, he was boxing as an amateur and attending university. However, the Klitschko brothers dressed in tracksuits, driving in a fashionably colored Lada, the dark gray color of the car known as wet asphalt, and the tracksuit were instantly recognizable status symbols of post-Soviet thugs and racketeers. For the last several years, Ukrainian media has reported that Klitschko was an associate of notorious Kiev crime boss Andrei Borov Borovic and Viktor Rybalko, who were gunned down in 2000 and 2005 respectively. Reportedly, Borovic even introduced Klitschko to the infamous boxing promoter Don King. In the documentary, Klitschko coyly mentioned that he was offered a position as a mob enforcer, but turned it down. In 1996, Vitaly Klitschko became a professional boxer and moved first to Germany and then to California. Like many wealthy, unsuccessful East Europeans who became rich in the excuse me, who became rich in the West, he adopted an unrealistic, idealized view of his native land, thinking that his millions and worldwide popularity translate into an understanding of Ukrainian politics. Klitschko tried to become mayor of Kiev. When that did not work. 
he entered national politics using his UDAR, which is an abbreviation for Ukrainian Democratic Alliance for Reform, which translated as strike or punch. While outwardly, his party espouses liberal democratic values in the tradition of Germany's CDU, he forged an alliance with the neo-Nazis of Ole Tjanibok and was literally the most visible leader of the anti-Yanukovych radicals. Okay? Again, this is one of the guys that Victoria Newland recommends... Her installed president, Ale Yatsenyuk, talked to at least four times a week for guidance as an advisor. Yeah, we're talking again about Klitschko. As a professional boxer, Vitaly Klitschko was very impressive. He stood out not only for his skill and courage in the ring. He was only defeated twice never by a knockout, but for the high class and respectability he projected. Here was a clean-cut, respectful young man who called his parents after every bout respected women and did not abuse substances. Klitschko was an athlete that young people look up to, one who would never spit at his opponent like Derek Chisora or chew off their ear like Mike Tyson. Sadly, by throwing his lot in with the neo-Nazi thugs of the Brown Revolution, Klitschko showed who he truly was, an inveterate opportunist. When the Soviet Union collapsed and the fastest way to become rich and famous was to join the criminals, he did. When the West rallied behind Yushchenko in 2004, the Russian-speaking Soviet boy became an eager backer of the Orange Revolution. When he saw that the same West backed the neo-Nazi-dominated rebels, he became one of them, too. For all his courage in the ring by throwing his lot in with Tianibuk and company, Vitaly Klitschko showed himself to be an unprincipled opportunist and a typical politician in the worst sense of the word. Ladies and gentlemen, Vitaly Klitschko. Vitaly Klitschko. Vitaly Klitschko. One of Victoria Newland's Three Stooges in Ukraine. Read them and weep, ladies and gentlemen. Read them and weep. Vitaly Klitschko, standing directly behind Victoria Newland. Oh, and uh, to her left, my right, there is uh, Yatsenyuk. That's the president she assisted in being installed when they overthrew Yanukovych. And uh, this here, oh, that's Tianibuk, ladies and gentlemen. Tianibuk. Outright ultra-nationalist. Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what she's holding here in her hand. Look at this demonic. Look at this demonic Victoria Newland, right? Standing with her three demons, okay, as they overthrow a duly elected president in 2014 in Ukraine. 
simply because he was a Russian supportive and he did not want to make a deal with the European Union. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what is in that picture. Uh, to me, it looks like I don't know. It looks like um, it looks like John Lennon walking across, you know, <laughs> they're like, we singled out John Lennon. I don't know. For all I know, that's Stephen Bandera in that picture, ladies and gentlemen. The, the, the uh, Nazi collaborator, the Euro-Nazi that killed many people in Ukraine in the 1940s. Okay? You heard her. You heard her in the phone conversation. Yachts is the guy. Yachts at the time was the prime minister of Ukraine. And then, of course, Ole Tannibuk. I mean, come on, guys. This, this little infographic... Very identifiable, ladies and gentlemen, this little into infographic, very helpful. Don't you think, Victoria Newland? <laughs> Tim Bajet, what's up, buddy? He's all, that's Victoria Newland with a bag of cookies right there. <laughs> this is the Klitschko, ladies and gentlemen, same guy. Same guy. If you ever heard about a Klitschko in the world of heavyweight boxing, this is that same Klitschko, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so uh, you, you've, you've been introduced to one of Newland's stooges in Ukraine. Uh, let's take a look at this stooge, Ole Tianibuk. Now, there are several ways that you can actually spell the name Tianibuk. Um, I've seen like at least two different ways. So uh, pardon me if this is not the correct spelling of Ole Tianibuk, but I've seen it spelled three different ways, literally, uh, in the course of going through this. So I'll tell you what, guys, it's a Thursday afternoon, right? It's a Thursday afternoon. We've got a ultra simple, um, we've got an ultra simple, uh, unselect committee hearing happening this evening for this evening's edition of the C-Report. So we'll go into a little bit of overdrive because we're already at the top of the hour. We're almost at 4 p.m. Central Time. So we'll go into just a little bit of overdrive this afternoon so we can kind of squeeze Tiani Book into, you know, Victoria Newland's Stooges 3. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Grouch is, where is his brother? He's talking about Klitschko's brother. I don't know. His younger sibling apparently is still quarterbacking for him in his political endeavors. It seems, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Tam Growl, here's how it's spelled. Herman Munster. <laughs> right? Who cares how it's spelled? This this is a Herman Munster demon here, right? Mm. But we want to talk Tiani Book for a very specific reason. He is the outright, outright ultranational. Aside from Yachts and Yuk, when we're talking about Victoria Newland's three stooges, Tiani Book is outright. I am a self-proclaimed, I self-identify as a white supremacist nationalist in Ukraine. So we have to talk Tiani book. Okay, I still got some time on my camera. I mean, sorry, on my, uh, on my clock. I was checking that. So Tiani book, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk a little bit about Tiani book. Let's take you over to his political party's webpage first. It's called Svoboda, ladies and gentlemen. If you've never heard of Svoboda... They are an ultra-nationalist, white supremacist, uh, racially motivated uh, political party in Ukraine. 
Uh, it says it right here at the top, Svoboda, right? I actually have to get this translated in order to share it with you. See, Journal of Svoboda, right? That's the, uh, yeah, you've heard of Svoboda. I know you guys have heard of Svoboda before, <coughs> not even here at the, um, here at the pages of the Sea Report, but uh, uh, skipping down to some of these articles, just so you can kind of see what these guys are about. Um, Ole Tianibuk, the introduction of a state emergency is not enough. Oh boy, spoken like a true globalist, right? Uh, moments before a possible full-scale war with the enemy, Ukraine still does not punish for collaborationism. Well, that would sound to me like, what about all of the uh, Ukrainians who are neutral or the Ukrainians who are pro-Russian that you guys killed throughout this entire special military operation that Russia was performing on your body, Ukraine, right? Mm-hmm. Occupiers should be deprived of state awards of Ukraine. Local councils urge Zelensky to react harshly to the defection of politicians. Ole Tianibuk. Eight years of war and 15,000 dead confirm the infertility of the Minsk agreements. Oh, well, you know, that's actually pretty well spoken, Tianibuk. But then uh, Tianibuk, what else does he say? Tianibuk says... We will stop any number of Muscovites thanks to the spirit of the Ukrainian nation. So, you know, when you read a statement like eight years of war and 15,000 dead confirmed the infertility of the Minsk agreements, you think, oh, that sounds pretty reasonable. This Tiani book guy's telling the truth. The Minsk agreements did not work between Ukraine and Russia. But then you read, we will stop any number of Muscovites Thanks to the spirits of the, that lets you know, ladies and gentlemen, that the reason why the Minsk agreements are infertile is probably because people like Tiani Book, his political party and everyone that follows that way of thinking, ladies and gentlemen, are all about killing anyone who's for Russia. That's a Muscovite. OK, a Muscovite mosquito, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, dare I play that song? It's one of my favorite songs. Muscovite, ladies and gentlemen, is a pejorative. Russia supporter. They will stop any number of Muscovites, thanks to the spirit of Ukrainian nationalism. So that's telling you right there in those two split headlines exactly where Tianibuk stands in the regards to the Donbass. Timberjet says 20,000, undoubtedly, right? Undoubtedly, 20,000 dead since 2014 in the Donbass region, in the People's Republic of Luhansk, in the People's Republic of Donetsk. And that is exactly why Putin had a special military operation in Ukraine. Because there was a genocide happening, ladies and gentlemen, because there was a conspiracy conspiracy happening, ladies and gentlemen, between the ultra-right nationalist parties and influences in the country of Ukraine and their government, ladies and gentlemen. Totally understandable, right? So there you go. That's This is the Svoboda party. This is an ultra-nationalist, white supremacist, 
Nazi, if you want to go there, right? But they're probably more Banderite. What's a Banderite? A Banderite is a follower of Stephen Bandera, someone whom in this region of the world views that man as a hero, but he was actually a Nazi collaborator. He was a Ukrainian Nazi, and he's responsible for the death of thousands. So looking over the rest of this part, we're not going to go through all of this stuff. I was just, you know, kind of poking around to see what Svoboda is all about, right? Tomas Stork says, we can stop only when we completely defeat the Russian Empire. So here you're going to have some pro-Ukrainian articles from On the Field, or say I should say On the Battlefield, ladies and gentlemen, talking about their experiences to, you know, like in this case, uh, this, this Tomas Stork guy or whatever, Ukrainian, uh, a Nazi, he says, only a madman is not afraid in war. The main thing is that that fear does not master you. So they're going to be giving you like, you know, positive articles about being a Nazi and encouraging articles. Uh, Vladimir Nazarenko, live, uh, live from the Donetsk region. The situation at the front on the morning of July 13th. Wouldn't that be interesting? It's going to be in Ukrainian, though, so we won't be able to understand it. Would that not... Uh, this would be so interesting to hear, I think, if I could understand Ukrainian, what they're saying. Okay? <laughs> How interesting. This is from July 13th, Okay. So um, I'm not going to play it because I don't speak Ukrainian. I can't tell you what they're saying. I can only translate the digital letters. I can't translate the digital audio. But um, uh, think about that, guys. That's interesting. Um, uh, July 13th, I wonder what kind of lies this Volodymyr Nazarenko was going to be telling this uh, globalist reporter here about what's happening on the front in the Donetsk region. They got their tails whooped, ladies and gentlemen. They got their tails whooped, these Ukrainian Nazis, during this special military operation, particularly in the Donbass region, okay? They got their tails whooped, okay? So I really wonder what he would be saying to this woman. Donetsk region about the frontline situation as of the morning of July 13th, Volodymyr Nazarenko, Lieutenant of the National Guard, Deputy Commander of the Svoboda Battalion, Inclusion in the ether of the TV channel Epresso. Epresso, which if you guys remember from the Maidan documentary that we watched, Epresso was a brand new, newly made television station that pushed the propaganda of the Ukrainian ultranationalists. Okay, very interesting stuff. Uh, Carpathian sick. 49th separate battalion of the armed forces of Ukraine. Join us! You guys really want to join this ragtag bunch of Ukro Nazis? Don't these two just inspire confidence in your team, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Alexander Pirokshik. I can assure you that the northern border in Volhynia is protected reliably. Oh, well, I've been hearing about this Volin, ladies and gentlemen. I need to dig into this Volin situation. I know you guys have heard about it, too. We've talked about it. We've mentioned it here at the Sea Report. It says, uh, due to the specifics of the swampy area, the enemy will not be able to go directly. Okay, before we read this, let me reset my clock. 
then we're going to talk a little bit more about Tiani book, and then we'll call this session adieu. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys are having a great afternoon out there today as we uh, pummel through the Sea Report episode number 339. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, there's Fester, says Cooper Jr. <laughs> hey, casual Gigi, what's going on? Good to see you. Timbajet says you can use Go-Ogle Go voice recognition to translate in real time. Oh, it does Russian well, but has a hard time with Ukrainian. Thank you for that tip, Timbajet. I might have to, I'm going to, man, you know, don't tell me that, Timbajet. There are not enough hours in the day to go through all this stuff. If I can actually start listening to, like, uh, what's the word? If I can actually start listening to um, uh, first person, you know, first uh, person in person experience, like firsthand, one degree of separation, someone who is actually there in their language, you will never see Mr. C again, right? We'll have to have the Mr. C monthly special where he goes on for like 48 hours about everything he's been piercing through the entire time, the entire month, right? Anyways, enough about that. We've got our clock reset. I'm glad you guys are still hanging out as we talk about Ole Tiani book, white supremacist, banderite, Svoboda party Nazi. So let's see what this has to say. They're talking about, they're talking about this Volin or Volinia. They call it Volinia in Ukrainian, but Volin... Something happened in Volin, guys. Something happened in Volin, and I need to look it up. Uh, it says here, Now at a time of bloody, full-scale war with the eternal enemy, I am trying to use all my knowledge. Actually, let me go and expand that for you guys so you can see it better. Okay, there we go. I'm trying to use all my knowledge and experience in the interests of military affairs, in the interests of the fight against the Russian fascist invaders. In addition to fulfilling my immediate duties, I was also offered a lecture for fight for our fighters in my company. Of course, the lecture was imbued uh, with Bandera spirit. I have shown by examples that in politics and geopolitics, nothing is just taken out of nowhere and disappears, but there are determinants, determinants, cause and effect relationships explaining the emergence of all those phenomena and processes that we are now seeing. See already, guys, they're like Russian fascists invaders. And I've seen that also from Western-backed media. They're like the Russian fascists. The Russian Nazis, the Russian ultranationalists. You see how they project, right? I'm just being, I'm giving you a very facetious example at the moment, but it says here, uh, it is not that the anthem of the OUN became a new march of the armed forces of Ukraine and the words of the prayer of the Ukrainian nationalist were included in the official audio recording of the anthem of the armed forces of Ukraine. What is he talking about? It is not just that, okay? It's not just that, the anthem of the OUN. What the heck is the anthem of the OUN, guys? Okay, so now they're, they're, now they're speaking outside of my uh, circle of knowledge. So let's figure out what this is real quick. What is the anthem of the O-U-N? Inquiring minds want to know, right? 
because not only did they uh, play this anthem of the OUN, apparently they also put the words of uh, the prayer of the Ukrainian nationalists behind and uh, with the audio. Okay, so uh, give my computer a second so I can figure that out and we'll continue on with this article. It says here, um, the, the consistency and heredity of our struggle can be traced very clearly. The current militant generation defending Ukraine and the armed forces of Ukraine uh, takes its origins from previous generations of national heroes. We are descendants of that glorious rank and victory of our predecessors. That's kind of scary. I'm kind of like, who's your predecessor then? Okay. So uh, the Anthem of the Sun. No, wait, that's, that's something else. That's, that's, the, that's the Grateful Dead. My bad. Okay. So <laughs> that's the Grateful Dead. What is the Anthem of the O-U-N and not the Anthem of the Sun? Nothing like a whole bunch of Nazis down Ukraine way just headbanging or whatever it is that deadheads do to Anthem of the Sun, right? We're talking about Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists. That is what the OUN is. So you have these Svoboda Party members fighting against Russia, playing the anthem of the uh, Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists with the prayer for Ukrainian nationalists uh, uh, intermixed into that audio. And yet you expect us to believe, ladies and gentlemen, that they are not racist degenerates who are committing genocide against anyone that doesn't see things their way. Now that we got that figured out, uh, it says here, <clears throat> understanding the significance and heredity of our fight against the Muscovites is extremely important for the formation of a powerful motivation and indomitable morale of our soldiers. So today, I not only perform duties in my rifle company, but also in the rank of senior soldier. I am part of the group responsible for morale and psychological support in general throughout the battalion. I am proactively or actively working in this direction, and I am convinced that I will work, continue, and expand. Good for you, Nazi. Good for you. It says, I continue to perform my duties as deputy of the Volin Regional Council. When the sessions were held online, I participated in them. Recently, sessions have not taken place, and we have taken new positions closer to the northern border where communication problems are partly. Despite this, I continue to work on deputy appeals that can be sent in the intercessional period. The last of his deputy appeals were sent to the Lutsk mayor with a proposal that streets named after Simon Petliria, uh, Mikhailo Gavrilko, Vasil Ovakiv, Andrei Melnik, and other representatives of the Ukraine national military elite should also appear in the regional center of Volin. The northern border in Volinia is protected reliably. The threat of an offensive by the Belarusian army, of course, exists, but I would not exaggerate it at all. As of now, it is more like playing on nerves, playing with muscles in order to demonstrate violent activity and preparation at the borders. It is the Belarusian population that treats Ukraine well. 
What can we say that there are many Ukrainians living there? In order, in order, in ordinary Belarusians, we do not see a threat and are convinced that they will not support the attack on Ukraine. At the same time, we are aware that the Belarusian authorities are not acting in the interests of the population so far. Lukashenko is trying to maneuver in every way possible. Twists like uh, twists like that in a frying pan. I don't know what they're frying over in Ukraine that twists, except for bacon. But sooner or later, he will be forced to take action, active action. How will this happen? I think that on the pins of Russian generals and officers, it is possible that they can organize groups that will shoot Belarusian soldiers if the back, if in the back, if they want to turn around. The Russians have used this tactic more than once. I can assure you that the northern border in Volinia or Volinia uh, is protected reliably. No one here will spare either strength or health to prevent a repeat in our lands of Bucha or Borodyanka. The average age of fighters in our unit is 40 years. These are self-sufficient people who have achieved something in life who have something to fight for and who clearly understand why they joined the army. These people will stand tight to victory, realizing that behind their backs are children, families, families. Uh, the Volin nature itself will contribute to our successful defense due to the specifics of the marshland. The enemy will not be able to go directly and to follow those paths where nature allows we're already waiting for them there. We're waiting for them where they don't expect to. Okay. So I think we'll we'll stop this article here. It's more on the ground stuff. From this soldier. I mean, it's almost over, but it's okay, guys. It's almost over, but it's okay. We're here getting a very brief, minute dissection of the Svoboda party. Don't these Ukrainian Nazis just inspire you guys to ultra-nationalism, right? Look at this. Kamala Harris would be like, look at these Ukrainian nationals, people. Look at these Ukrainian nationals. Don't they just inspire you to stand up for the globalists? Right. Anyways, okay, so uh, Svoboda Party. Every national leader evaluates world processes from his bell tower. Uh, ooh, who's this guy? They will absolutely kill everyone until we destroy them. What is that all about? This war will last for a long time, perhaps for years, until we destroy the Moscow Empire and until it collapses into several dozen small states. We will not have peace. There will be only periods of unstable, full, uh, unstable lulls before a new battle. We are nearly America nor China. We do not have huge resources. We are not fenced off by the ocean and we do not have one and a half billion people. To survive, we need superpowers, absolute tension of all our might. The thing is that we simply will not see defeats. They will kill absolutely everyone who can even theoretically resist and turn everyone else into slaves. To survive, Ukraine must become the most militarized state in the world. Good luck with that! Putin kind of just ruined that for you guys over there in Ukraine. 
all the money and resources for the army, the army once again for the army, then for national culture, education and medicine, and then for everything else. If anything remains, there is no other way if we want to live. Gun lessons from school. A total system of basic military training for all without any exception. The barrel in each house and regular meetings of reservists. And it's not just uh, now, it's forever. We are on the internal frontier. There will always be danger in the East. There was a thousand years ago. That was a thousand years ago. It will be so in a thousand years. The good news is that we, when we win, we will be able, we will be so cool that it is difficult to even imagine now. Oh, the good news is that when we win, do you hear, do you hear any patriots, American patriots saying shit like this? The good news is that when we win, we will be so cool. It's difficult to even imagine now, ladies and gentlemen, that's all they care about. They don't give a damn about the people. They don't give a damn about what that type of a government could represent to the world. That's why you don't hear patriots talking about that, because these people just want power for themselves. And then they'll think about the rest of the world. Well, we Americans want a living example of what it means to be truly free and independent, liberated, and sovereign. That's why we don't care about looking cool at school like these uh, neo-Nazis, Nazis, and Banderites apparently write about. <laughs> Very interesting deputy chairman of Svoboda, Andrei Ilyenko. He's the one who said the stuff I just shared with you. Andrei Ilyenko, deputy chairman of the Svoboda party, ladies and gentlemen. I think you get the idea about Svoboda, right? You guys get the idea, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I only got about two more articles I want to share with you guys before we wrap up this afternoon session of the Sea Report because we'll be back on shortly. I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll be covering the January 6th Unselect Committee into, ladies and gentlemen, into the uh, false flag hey, riots of um, the Capitol. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to take a real quick break, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a real quick break. Uh, so uh, why don't you guys go and take a break too? Get yourselves a drink. We're not going to be here that much longer, but get yourselves a drink. Get yourselves a snack. Go use the bathroom. Because Lord knows that's what Mr. C is about to do. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the sea report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm 
slash the sea report. And thanks, y'all. Yeah, uh, Cooper Jr., when we're talking about the 80s, uh, Mr. C was not a fan of the uh, the tight tights wearing, the, the people who wore the leotard wearing, right? The leotard, big haired, makeup wearing, twisted sisters of the 80s, not Mr. C style. We don't do top 20s, let alone top 40s, okay? Anyways, okay, so <laughs> let's continue. Let's continue, guys. You know, let's continue. Let's continue. <laughs> Dan, I miss dancing. Okay, let's finish up here, guys. We're already in overtime. The truth about Nazism in Ukraine and why the media is covering it up. Okay, let's get through Tiani Book. I mean, I mean, really, Klitschko and Tiani Book make a perfect case for Victoria Newland being ever so mixed up, ladies and gentlemen, in uh, neo-Nazism, banduritism, and uh, support for ultranationalists in their uh, country. One would have to ask, or wonder, I should say, why is it that certain aspects of our government are just so infatuated with, uh, you know, Nazis? Do you think any of them are related? Do you think any of them are related? That's a good question. All right, let's take a look at these Nazis in uh, Ukraine. Do I have a, uh, maybe I don't. Okay, so uh, article says, again here, uh, the truth about Nazis in Ukraine and why the media covers it up. Which is interesting, because don't forget, again, guys, that the media has been very vocal about the Nazis in Ukraine until recently. And this is a this is a recent article also. It says here, a United Nations resolution was presented. Its purpose being to condemn Nazism or the glorification of Nazism. Only two countries voted against the resolution. Guess which ones? Well, by gosh and by golly, it was the United States and Ukraine. Meanwhile, Britain, Australia, Canada, and the countries of the European Union were among those who abstained from voting. Now, this is very telling, ladies and gentlemen. Very telling indeed. If you want to uh, look, see, and discover who is pushing Nazism, who is for the Nazis... You have your list of offenders right here. Britain, Australia, Canada, the European Union, Ukraine, and the United States either were against or abstained from this resolution to condemn glorification of Nazism. So process process that again. The United States and Ukraine refused to condemn Nazism, while Canada, the United Kingdom, and various European Union nations simply abstained from having to do so. Mere weeks later, Vladimir Putin is making a speech about denazifying Ukraine, for which he was widely ridiculed in Western media. Russian forces were invading and this whole disastrous situation unfolded. Why would any government or nation in this day and age refuse to condemn Nazism or even abstain from such a vote? Should not it be a simple and cut and paste matter? 
Apparently not. Wall of Controversy covers that subject uh, in this other article at the link. It says, weeks later, all the world's attention was fixed on the imminent Russian invasion of Ukraine. In the wake of the Russian military operation in Ukraine, a concerted and calculated propaganda program has encompassed all of Western media and commentary, one that has sought to completely whitewash Ukraine of any controversies or any unsavory elements and to present all of Ukraine, including its militias and armed groups, and its politicians as absolute good guys, and the Russians as the absolute villains. The program, in short, has been to present Ukraine as entirely untainted, and those within the Ukrainian state and its society as being entirely devoid of any feelings, wrongdoings, or blame for the state of affairs that preceded the current crisis. That This is all about Russia's aggression and Putin's mania and nothing else. Putin is the new Hitler. That's the program. And every single major news broadcaster, media outlet, or newspaper has adopted this narrative across all of both mainstream corporate media and online social media. This whitewashing operation has been in full swing. Now, I will preface this article the same way as every other I publish on the subject, which is to clarify that I am not being a Putin apologist, blah, 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 blah. This uh, article is also not about endorsing the military offensive in Ukraine. Okay, all of you people, you, you all of you fair weather humanitarians, right? All of you fair weather humanitarians, bullshit. What it is about is exposing and confronting the mass media whitewashing of the Ukraine situation and the highly selective narrative that is being presented by both media and governments. In this article, we will establish that one, this mass media whitewashing is deliberate and even could be considered sinister, given that two, there absolutely is a Nazi presence in Ukraine and three, NATO governments absolutely know this and are in fact covering for it. And anyone reading this is of course entitled to disagree with those conclusions, but you will probably find it very difficult to do so. As for this whitewashing, it is absolute. Every measure has been taken to present a highly sanitized image of Ukrainian society and politics in recent days. Facebook has reversed its ban on posts praising the Azov Battalion. It had previously and correctly regarded Azov as being in the same category as groups like Islamic State and the Ku Klux Klan. But, of course, in the recent onset of pro-Ukrainian mania in the West has seen the social media giant change its mind apparently. Moreover, Facebook uh, and Instagram have both been hosting dozens of accounts that are raising funds and selling merchandise for openly Nazi and extremist groups. As reported, the network of accounts promoting Nazi and white supremacist merchandise are linked to two extremist groups operating out of Ukraine, which is the Azov Battalion and the Misanthropic Division. Ah, this one sounds so lame. We're misanthropists, right? But uh, apparently they're serious, okay? Here are a couple of fine examples. Note the Nazi SS Wolf's Angle symbol in the second item. So there's your Azov Battalion, the Azov Regiment. Maybe I should go get a shirt, right? Well, not if it directly uh, supports Nazis. I don't think so. But check that out, guys. 
Azov Battalion. Anyone who's anyone who's watching this that knows anything about anything, and they should know if they're in the other side of the world, know that there are Nazis in Ukraine. Okay? Can't lie, can't deny, okay? And they are a major part of their government as well. You can buy your Azov merchandise all over place these days. By the way, try here or here. Let me guess, Amazon? <laughs> Amazon.com? Depop? <laughs> Depop, what? Now that everyone is all about celebrating the Ukrainian heroes, I suspect some of this merchandise is going to sell really well. Get your Azov merchandise, folks. It's the hip new thing I've written about Azov here before. An openly neo-Nazi organization that has been involved in violence, hate crime, and the Russia conflict ever since the events of 2014 in which the United States Western-backed revolution helped create the situation that has existed in Ukraine to the present day. When we're talking Azov Battalion, remember that this is the same organization whose mission, according to its founder, is to... Lead the white races of the world in a final crusade against Semite-led subhumans. Remember that. When someone says, oh, but they're patriots, and oh, but they're nationalists, or oh, that is normal. These are nationalists who are fighting for Ukraine's independence? Sure. And how precisely does fighting for Ukraine's independence relate to leading the white races of the world in a final crusade against sub? humans i mean just a suggestion here but could not you fight for ukrainian independence and you know not lead the white race in a final crusade against subhumans and just a reminder get more azov merchandise here and here support the heroes of ukraine all right, so let's recap a little bit about the Azov Battalion. Azov was apparently founded by Andriy Beletsky, who during the Maidan Revolution in 2014 was actually freed from prison to take part in the revolution, having been otherwise serving a sentence for murder. So that's a good start there isn't it? Among various other ultra-right-wing groups in Ukraine, including Right Sector, Svoboda, the National Corps, etc., all of which are basically connected, the Azov Battalion stood out because of its brazen brandishing and adoption of Nazi imagery and because of some of its reportedly brutal behavior. Ukrainian officials, Azov supporters, and apologists all like to say the regiment is misunderstood. This is clearly bullshit, by the way. The regiment's symbols, including Wolf's Hook, or the Wolf's Angle, and Black Sun, were Nazi SS symbols during World War II. Everyone knows this. Azov members have frequently been shown wearing Nazi insignia, riding around with swastika flags or patches, and making Nazi salutes. Again, ladies and gentlemen, they have been there since the 1940s. They never went away. They were never exterminated or taken care of either, you know? So, apologists like to say the Azov and other Nazi militias are not state actors, but individuals and rogues. A few bad apples, right? Not true. Azov Battalion was formally incorporated into the National Guard and operates under the Ukrainian Ministry of Internal Affairs. Azov and other Nazis are therefore part of the state apparatus legitimized by elements of the Ukrainian state. If officials in Ukraine were embarrassed by or ashamed for the Nazis in their midst, why the hell would they incorporate them into the state? 
How can they be rogue if they've been made part of the system? Azov patrols and the like also became commonplace with members of the militia basically acting like a police force in some cases to enforce the law, while in other cases to predictably intimidate or persecute ethnic minorities, including ethnic Russians. If this is sounding a lot like a white European version of ISIS, that's something I've pointed out before. I argued back in 2018, in fact, that Ukraine is being turned into European-style Syria-like nation situation, not nation, a Syria-like situation, with Azov and other white nationalists being empowered to be the white power equivalent of ISIS and other jihadists, only instead of waving the ISIS black flag, they'll be waving swastikas and wolf hangle symbols. As Michael Corbone wrote four years ago, Azov is trying, as one of their higher ups uh, has told me personally, to build a far right state within the state, running everything from nationalist study groups and mixed martial arts training to free gyms for youth and programs for the elderly. They're also trying to turn Kiev into a capital of the global far right, inviting neo-Nazis and white supremacists from around the world to visit. Apologists also like to say that the neo-Nazi militants and white supremacists are a minority and have very little influence. This is also bullshit. As this article from Time magazine as recently as January explained, it has its own political party, two publishing houses, summer camps for children, and a vigilant force known as the National Militia, which patrols the streets of Ukrainian cities alongside the police. Its military wing has at least two training bases and a vast arsenal of weapons from drones and armored vehicles to artillery pieces. This is not some small network of troublemakers. Azov its, and its related far-right groups have connections across Ukraine's institutions, including security services, police, military, and government. They are prevalent across the society. The Nazi-inspired ideology has apparently been quite prevalent too. Whether a group like Azov is a minority presence or not, it obviously has supporters and collaborators in all of the places that matter not just in Ukraine, but abroad. But the involvement of foreign intelligence services and governments is something we'll come to shortly. And Azov, in fact, is the only, is only the most blatant and visible tip of the Nazi iceberg. This is not just about Azov. As Atlantic Council noted in 2018, Ukraine's Ministry of Youth and Sports is funding the neo-Nazi group C-14, to promote national patriotic education projects in the country. The authors advised government agencies at all levels should stop cooperating with far-right groups. In addition to the youth ministry's problematic funding, C-14 and a Kiev city district recently signed an agreement allowing C-14 to establish a municipal guard to patrol the streets. Three such militia-run guard forces are already registered in Kiev and... 21 operate in other cities as well. While we're on the subject of C-14, the group's leader, Yevian Karis, was filmed giving a speech in early February at a Svoboda event. Nah, I don't know if you guys want to see this. We're already into overtime. Good Lord. Okay, how long is this video? It's two minutes. Let's watch it. There are subtitles. There are subtitles, so let's check this out. 
This is the uh, this is the leader of C14, which is apparently the uh, youth, the youth party for the Nazis or the ultranationalists, whatever you want to call them. That is what they are. Okay. Okay. So uh, we're going to go through this once in Ukrainian, and then we're going to go through this once with English translation. Uh, so, uh, mind ye not out there in the audience. Uh, let's check out what they had to say at the Svoboda event, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Захід, бо вони хочуть нам блага, тому що ми виконуємо задачі Заходу, тому що ми єдині, хто готові їх виконувати, бо нам весело, нам прикольно убивати і прикольно воювати. І вони думають, вау, давайте вже ну, подивимося, що це буде. Тому виник цей новий альянс, про який зараз говорять там Туреччина, Польща, Британія, Україна. Тут ми тут флагман, тому що ми затіяли війну, якої не було вже останніх 60 років. Так от, уявіть собі, скільки у нас зброї, скільки у нас ветеранів. А тепер уявіть, зникає Росія, вона розвалюється. Тобто виникає там 5 Росії, там Нєда, Росія і так далі. На європейському континенті найбільше. Тільки в Британії там, здається, більше. Розумієте, цей потенціал цих збройних сил, це стане проблемою зразу для всіх, хто зараз там десь там намагається робити хенті уколи. І оце от є наша радість і наша печаль. Чому, щоб ви розуміли, чому так все важко? Не тому, що ми українці 300 років, наша дупа страждала, чому ж нарешті влада до нас не упаде, ми такі хороші, ми хочемо в Європу. Ні, це величезна потужна держава, і якщо ми тут прийдемо до влади, це буде і радість, і проблеми для всього світу. Тому це величезна амбітна задача. Ми живемо дуже в класний час, і тому перед нами стоять надзвичайно амбітна, класна ціль. Не просто стати там частинкою європейської сім'ї, яка вже там розвалилася, а це є, вже йдеться про те, що нові політичні альянси вже глобального рівня, нові політичні виклики. О, oh, pardon me. Oh, okay, pardon me. That was a break to let us know what's happening. So now they're talking about... I'm going to go back and I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to do this in English. Don't worry, guys. About Maiden, the topic of European integration was just a screen. Now, I would like to also inform you guys that the name of this event, which is being hosted by the Svoboda Party, took place on February 5th, 2022 in Ukraine. Okay. Think about how open these people were talking about supporting Nazis supporting nationalism, supporting the West. The name of this Svoboda Party event on February 5th, 2022 is Fight, Kill, Fulfill the Tasks of the West, Bandera Readings in Kiev. These people were blatantly open about their white supremacism blatant is crazy nacionalistyczne idee націоналісти якби були там ключовим фактором однозначно і на фронті. Зараз дуже багато є спекуляцій. Ну, нациків вже ж було небагато там, ну, ЛГБТшники, там посольства кажуть, ну, скільки там було там нациків? Ну, нациків там було там 10% там, ну, запаяних ідейних. Ну, це ж питання в тому, це може так казати лише Йоуд, який не був на війні, не знає, наскільки оцих от 10%, ще там навіть може даже менше було, тому націоналістів було хай там даже 8. Ну, наскільки це в пропорції ефективності впливу, наскільки це складало просто галапуючи безкінечну підвищення ефективності. Не було б цих 8%, бо ефективність упала б 90%. То тут не в числі мова. Так само, як на Майдані. Зараз вже почали ліваки, там фонди Бьоля, там і так далі перераховувати. Ну, націоналістів там було, там, да, вони були впливові. Там. Та які впливові? Не було б націоналістів, все би це, от, пішло би сразу на гей-парад. 
Uh, okay, all right, all right. You guys ready to hear that in American? Are you ready to hear that in a... Hey, excuse you. I am not an affiliate yet of StreamYard. Thank you very much. Okay, so let, let's just get that off of the... We're going to do this in... Uh, we're going to do this in American. We're in America okay. now. We got to speak America, right? We're American now. We got to speak American. Okay, so uh, this is what this guy was saying. All right, we'll keep it on the small screen. How about that? We'll keep it on the small screen. We'll keep it on the DL. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get this uh, little headline back up here. This is what they were saying, okay? Just so, for those of you who do not speak Ukrainian, this is what he was saying. <laughs> he says, we were now being given so much weaponry, not because, as some say, West is helping us, not because they want the best for us, but because we perform the tasks set forth by the West, because we are the only ones who are ready to do them, because we have fun, we have fun killing, and we have fun fighting. Uh, and they like, wow, let's see what's going to happen. Isn't that interesting? That's crazy. And that this is the reason for the new alliance Turkey, Poland, Britain, Ukraine, okay? Now, now, take notes, guys. Turkey, Poland, Britain, Ukraine. These are the nations that stand on the side of the globalists and on the side of Nazis. I mean, they all do, but there's an alliance here, okay? We are the flagmen here because we have started a war that has not been seen for 60 years, 60 years, right? 1940s. So imagine how many weapons we have, how many veterans we have. And now imagine Russia falls apart and turns into five different Russias or whatever. We have the most javelins on the European continent. Maybe only the UK has more. This potential of the potential this potential of these armed forces will immediately become a problem for all those for all those who are now trying to give us problems. It is our joy and our sorrow. You need to understand why. Yes, it is hard. Not because we are Ukrainians. Our ass has suffered for 300 years. Why finally everything good not just given to us? We such a good people. We want to join Europe. No, we are a huge powerful state. And if we come to power, it will be both joy and problems for the whole world. Therefore, it is a huge, ambitious task. We live in a very, uh, what was that? Did he say, did he use the word cool? Uh, it is a very ambitious, cool goal. Okay. That is why there is an extremely ambitious, cool goal. Cool. Not just to become a part of the European family that has already collapsed. This is about new political alliances on the global level, new political challenges. Now they talk about Maidan. Maidan was the victory of the what? What did you say Maidan was? Maidan was the victory of the... Uh... Maidan was the victory of the nationalist ideas. Nationalists were the key factor there and clearly at the front lines. Ukro nazi nationalists. Um, it says here, now, there is a lot of speculation saying, well, there were only few neo-Nazis. LGBT and foreign embassies are saying there were not much neo-Nazis in Maidan. Maybe about 10% of real ideological neo-Nazis. So he's saying the gay people 
and foreign embassies are saying that there was like ah, maybe 10% of the people at Maidan were Nazis, right? That's the, all you need is the, that 10% really for it to turn into what it did. Let's see what he has to say, though, about that. He says, the thing is that such a thing can say only a moron that never was at war. And don't understand that those 10%, maybe even less, 8% of neo-Nazis. But how much they um, are much more effective in the proportion of influence. In other words, we only need a 10% and how much their effectiveness was. Endless. How much their effectiveness was endless. If not those 8% of neo-Nazis, the effectiveness of Maidan would have dropped by 90%. So if it were not for that 8 to 10% of neo-Nazis who were the ones who were absolutely in charge of provocateuring and instigating during Maidan, Maidan would not have been effective if it had not been for 8% of those people being actual neo-Nazi, Svoboda Party, Azov Battalion, IDAR Battalion, Right Sector, whatever the heck you want to call them, whatever label that they fall under, okay? So it's the numbers is not the point. Like now, some left-wingers like Boel Foundation and so on trying to count numbers, saying something like, there were that many nationalists, they had this much influence. Influence, if not for our nationalists, that whole thing would have turned into a gay parade. So say it, this man. Okay. All right. We'll end it with gay parade there. All right. Good job. So, wow, ladies and gentlemen, uh, does this just not kind of sit you back in your rocker just a little bit when we're uh, hearing these things? Anyhow, uh, we're going to wrap up this article, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to call it a day. Actually, you know, I think we're pretty good on that article that we were reading about Tiani Book. Uh, let's just... Hmm. Let, let's just do this, and then we'll, we'll we're we're just about at the conclusion of today's show, guys. Thanks again for hanging in. It was only supposed to be an hour. I will be back on shortly to cover the January sixth unselect committee false flag capital riot hearing happening today at seven p.m. Central Time. Sharply, actually, we'll have a guest on. Um, Java will be joining us for the proceedings. Okay, you want to call it a clown show? Well, it ain't a clown show until you get people like me and Java there. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this up, guys. Here we go. Here we go. Hold on to your panties. So it says here, you really need to listen to what he's saying here, as it really does reveal the true nature of the Maidan events in 2014 and what's happening now, because the media is certainly not going to show any of this type of stuff. We have fun killing is my favorite part. Basically, among other things, he boasts about all the weaponry Western allies have sent to them, gets excited about all the fighting that's going to happen, and crucially explains that the ultra-right really was the chief beneficiary of Maidan. Svoboda, for the record, is widely acknowledged as a neo-Nazi party and was founded by Ole Tianibuk and Andriy Perubia, the latter of whom was the chairman of Ukraine's parliament until 2009 and was invited to address the United States Congress three years ago. And the former having been famously photographed with Senator John McCain during the events of 2014. There, ladies and gentlemen, is Tiani Book and John McCain, otherwise known as the unnameable, right? So that says a lot there, ladies and gentlemen. 
when we're talking about these right wing, super extremist, far ultra nationalist individuals. Tianibuk, one of Victoria Newland's three stooges in Ukraine. Tianibuk. Okay. Tianibuk. Springtime for the Azov Battalion. Boy, I tell you, there's so much to cover here. Uh, we're not going to get all the way through it. We're going to wrap up with Tianibuk. Okay. Tianibuk. Actually, let's, let's see if we can find his name here. Hold on. Let's see. Svoboda. Oh, yeah. After the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 1991, scores of far-right organizations sprang up in Ukraine, as in all former Soviet states. Drawing on this filthy anti-communist heritage and supported by the imperialist powers, the Viktor Yoshenko government, installed by the U.S.-backed Orange Revolution in 2004, declared Bandera a national hero, honored the OUN, remember the OUN? and the UPA fighters, and heavily promoted the OUN successor organization, the Congress of Ukrainian Nationalists, and the neo-Nazi Svoboda Party. Okay, now I keep saying Stephen Bandera. There is a uh, image of Stephen Bandera. So who's Stephen Bandera? Bandera is an older neo-Nazi nationalist movement named after Stephen Bandera. He was a traitor and Nazi collaborator who took part in mass killings of 100,000 Jews, 100,000 plus Jews and Poles during World War II. But today there are marches held for him. And uh, go figure, these images are broken, right? But I've already shown you guys the marches for Stephen Bandera in Ukraine, okay? Tiani Book wants to become president. This was an interesting article I found. It's from uh, Ukraine Nachrichten dot Germany. Okay, so it's a German article uh, talking about uh, Tiani Book. Uh, I, I just liked it because it accentuates some of the uh, facts about Tiani Book and the Svoboda Party. It says. Long before the beginning of the XX Congress of the All-Ukrainian Association, Svoboda, you could see in front of the buildings of Kiev Project, where it took place, you could see many people in uh, Ukrainian costume, otherwise known as Vyshikh Vyawanka. These were delegates and guests of the Congress. These proved to be so many, uh, these proved to be so many that for some, the seats in the hall were not enough which were decorated with posters with the portrait of the leader of the OUN-UPA, Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, Ukrainian Insurgent Army, Stephen Bandera, and the slogan, Reach Every Ukrainian. Where are the people from Donetsk? One of the guests of the Congress asked nervously, looking into the faces of passersby. As it turned out, the member of Svoboda was looking for his colleagues from the Donetsk Party organization. The Social National Party of Ukraine, since February 14, 2004, All-Ukrainian Association, Svoboda, was founded on October 16, 1995. Its chairman was Yaroslav Andriyashkiv. In the 1998 elections, the SNPU, together with the party Dershwana Samjitsyurajny, uh, the state autonomy of Ukraine, participated in a bloc called Few Words, winning 0.16% of the vote. 
In the 2002 elections, the SNPU put forward candidates only in a single seat constituency. In the parliamentary elections of 2006 and 2007, the all-Ukrainian association Svoboda party participated independently, receiving 0.36% and 0.76% of the vote, respectively. In the last presidential elections, Svoboda supported Viktor Yushchenko. That's Newland's person. That's Biden's person. That's the globalist's person, Viktor Yoshenko. Okay. Before Congress, this is 2004, guys, right? 2004. That was the last, uh, that was the first uh, um, revolution, right? Before the Congress begins, let's lift the mood with a song. Anyways, so uh, they're talking about uh, Ole Tianibuk again. Okay. The chairman of Svoboda, Ole Tianibuk, appeared on stage informing about the beginning of the work of the Congress and proposing the election of the working organs. Who is in favor of Ole Tianibuk being elected chairman of the Congress? Tianibuk addressed the hall, after which the delegates kindly held up their cards. Who is against? Abstained. Unexpectedly, the deputy of the party chairman, the national artist, Bowden Benjuk, sitting in the front row, raised his card. So this is, they're just talking about getting Tianibuk as the uh, official uh, party leader for Svoboda. Appearing before the delegates, Tianibuk explained that the time has come to replace the oligarchic clans who, in the opinion of the leader of Svoboda, rule the country with a political force with a national ideology appearing as the Svoboda party. After the Führer, that's how they referred to Tianibuk, after the Führer, the floor was handed over to the deputies of the party chairman who developed Ole Tianibuk's thesis on the crisis-ridden situation of things in the country. Okay. Now, um, the deputy of the Lviv Oblast Council, this Iranya Farian, had this to say. Stephen Bandera made a prophecy about the so-called gas tube. This is the only thing that the Moscali have not stolen from us so far. The Moscali understand this very well. Lie, steal, steal, lie, and lie, and steal. Okay. The current time can be described as the epic of the cunning. Whoops, my bad. The epic of the cunning... Um, the uh, Cunning vixen, the filled hair... They're talking about specific people to um, Ukraine there. Okay, so anyhow. Anyhow, guys, wrapping this up. Wrapping this up. The investigation of the main question of the Congress came only two hours after the beginning. According to the proposal of the representatives of some local organizations of the party, the delegates unanimously decided that the all-Ukrainian association Svoboda will participate in the presidential elections and the candidate of the party will be its leader, Ole Tianibuk. Ladies and gentlemen, the same man seen here shaking hands with illegitimate Joe, right-wing, extreme, ultra-nationalist, Ole Tianibuk, one of the three henchmen of Victoria Newland in Ukraine. But what about Yatsenyuk? 
the good old Nazi soy boy. It's Yachts. Yachts is the man, said Victoria Newland. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have to consider Yachts and Yook at another time, but I think you get the point about Victoria Newland, ladies and gentlemen. Question is, why is she in Nigeria? Why was she in Sri Lanka back in March? We all know what happened in Sri Lanka. Victoria Newland, to my brothers and sisters on the African continent, be aware. Territorial integrity of another country. This is not, this is not Russia-Ukraine war. This is a Russian war against, against Ukraine. Ukraine. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, guys. Honestly, if Victoria Newland is already in Nigeria, Nigeria's goose is already cooked. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Sea Report coming to you on a Thursday afternoon just to get the wrap on Victoria Newland, guys. Wanted to make sure that that thought was well uh, settled and digested in the minds of the audience before we move on to more stories. We'll be back here at the Sea Report probably in about, uh, I think we'll come in about 6.30 p.m. Central Time. We have, after all, the January 6th Unselect Committee going live with their eighth rendition, ladies and gentlemen, their eighth rendition of this uh, hearing on the false flag uh, capital riots that took place in January 6th. Uh, um, I will have Java joining me shotgun for that proceeding. So make sure you come back and join us, ladies and gentlemen, for the next edition of the Sea Report. Again, about an hour and a half, we'll be back live. I'm just going to go get a quick dinner. And then me and Java will be back here with you all to watch that shim-sham flim-flam of a train wreck. Till then, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys have a great rest of your afternoon. Go and get yourself some quick dinner. If not, just go have a nice dinner. That's what I would say. And, uh, well, we'll be back. So, uh, as always, ladies and gentlemen, as always, uh, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you soon. Oh, we will see you very soon, ladies and gentlemen. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Though victory is proof of the skills you possess, defeat is the proof of your grit. A weakling can smile in his days of success, but at trouble's first sign, he will quit. So the test of the heart and the test of your pluck isn't skies that are sunny and fair but how do you stand to the blow that is struck and how do you battle despair 
A fool can seem wise when the pathway is clear, and it's easy to see the way out. But the test of a man's judgment is something to fear, and what does he do when in doubt? And the proof of his faith is the courage he shows when sorrows lie deep in his breast. It's the way that he suffers the griefs that he knows that bring out his worst or his best. The test of a man is how much he will bear for a cause which he knows to be right. How long will he stand in the depths of despair? How much will he suffer and fight? There are many who serve when the victory's near, and few are the hurts to be borne. But it calls for a leader of courage to cheer the men in a battle forlorn. It's the way you hold out against odds that are great that proves what your courage is worth. It's the way that you stand to the bruises of fate that shows up your stature and girth. And victory's nothing but proof of your skill, veneered with a glory that's thin, unless it is proof of unfaltering will, and unless you have suffered to win.